Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there, good morning, and welcome to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield, and glad that you're here with us. Today is February 12th, presumably the last full day of the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump. We should get a vote, most likely tomorrow. Also, today is the day of National Plum Pudding Day. Plum pudding is made by steaming or boiling, and the pudding is usually served during the holiday season, but we're doing a redux here. Interestingly, if you didn't know, many of the recipes actually don't even incorporate plums. Uh, hope you get to grab some of those for you. Um, also, today is the day of former President Abraham Lincoln. All right, we're going to go straight into this. I've got an exclusive interview with a congressman from Missouri. Take a look. Good morning, Congressman Jason Smith. Good to have you. Good to be with you. So you are the ranking member of the House Budget Committee, and some of your colleagues and you, you sent a letter over to the Democrats and urged them to reject Neera Tandon to head the Office of Management and Budget for President Biden. And you list all of your concerns. Among them, it includes the fact that Neera Tandon reportedly pushed and or hit a reporter while she was a senior aide to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. This happened reportedly when the reporter asked Clinton about her support for the Iraq war. You also listed that a 2018 report found that Neera Tandon named the anonymous victim at the center of a sexual harassment allegation uh, dispute between two employees at an, an organization that she led. A former employee has said that Ms. Tandon is a very bad organizational leader who lacked leadership and moral courage. You're also concerned about the level of partisanship uh, that you said that she's demonstrated. You said that she's repeatedly attacked Republican members of the U.S. Senate on social media and has now deleted more than a thousand tweets on social media. Let me ask you this. Is this your own version of cancel culture, though? Is this something that, uh, you know, Republicans and conservatives are always concerned about cancel culture? Are you guys kind of doing the same thing? You know, absolutely not. We're just wanting to be transparent. Republicans and Democrats alike oppose her nomination. Bernie Sanders, at the very beginning of the, the budget hearing yesterday with her, raised our letter and pointed out how she has said some atrocious comments about Republicans and progressives. So she's an equal opportunity hater on conservatives and, and liberals. So uh, I just feel like that her character is what needs to be highlighted. Her history needs to be transparent because it's very concerning of, of anyone in that kind of position of how they might implement future policies. 
And one thing you also tweet out, you said the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is backing Biden's OMB nominee Tandon, who has spent her career taking big biz money while pushing policies that destroy small biz jobs so much for looking out for Main Street. Presumably, this might be part of why you mentioned Bernie Sanders is opposed to Tandon as well or has brought up concerns about her, that uh, he's very much an economic populist as well. Let me ask you this. Are you concerned by the fact that someone like uh, Biden, who is much more socialist leaning than you are, uh, that you're kind of joining forces here? You know, I, it's just about the American people to make sure the good people are in government. What I'm concerned is, is that a tandem is exactly the vessel that President Biden's wanting in that position to help reward his political donors, his political friends. Her ties to Wall Street and big corporations are the ties that Joe Biden wants to reward. That's concerning to me. That's why she should not be in that position. So in terms of the likelihood of you being able to sink the nomination, do you think that you'll have some Democrats who will join over? You know, of course, I'm not a senator, I'm not one of the 100 that gets to cast a vote over there. But I hope that if people really look on the face of just her pedigree, of her history, of her actions, that surely she will not get 50 plus votes over in the United States Senate. So I just wanna make sure that it's transparent. All the senators know what we have uncovered. And as the Republican leader of the House Budget Committee that would work very aggressively with OMB, I wanna make sure it's a person of the utmost character. Well, and, and the fact, especially in the age of Me Too, when you have her actions reportedly, uh, you know, when someone has been a reported victim of sexual harassment uh, of some kind, that there should be confidentiality. And so this report that, especially in the age of Me Too, do you think there's a level of hypocrisy there? Just think of all the employees that are at OMB. You need to make sure you have a responsible leader that can run that branch of government in a responsible way to make sure that those actions don't happen within government. And as far as uh, the reported action of her striking or hitting or pushing a reporter, um, did anything ever happen with that? Was she ever charged with assault or things like that? I, I don't know the outcome of those results. I know that she was alleged at doing that. I, so I assume she was never prosecuted, brought forward, but the allegations were clearly there. Hmm. Um, but as far as the allegation being proven true, I mean, isn't that something that conservatives over and over want to make sure that you have due process if it's just an allegation versus, you know, a conviction? That's why in the letter it doesn't say she's convicted and it has the word allegation because words need to be definite and defined. And um, unfortunately, the other side of the aisle like to be a little bit looser at some of the words that they use, like what they're doing towards the president, the former president of the United States right now. Well, and on that topic, what's your read on, on how things have gone so far with the impeachment? Well, I mean, let's be real about it. It's an unconstitutional impeachment. The only thing that unites the liberal progressives of the Democrat Party is their hatred for Donald Trump. Well, he's no longer in office. And so they still keep this around. They're trying to remove a president through an impeachment process that is no longer the sitting president. Even the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court would not set over the impeachment because it's fake, it's unconstitutional, it's phony. There is no way they're going to get 67 votes. They did not have one hearing in the House of Representatives, not one hearing. In fact, they only had two hours of debate 
This is a reckless impeachment. It's purely political just to try to fire up the progressive liberal base because they want to distract the American people of exactly what they're doing. Of the 40 plus executive orders that have been firing America's working class, where they have been punishing the states that did not vote for President Biden by executive orders by firing those American workers versus uh, rewarding their political donors, their friends and allies by executive orders. They're trying to hide that by this, this unconstitutional impeachment. All right, Congressman, thanks so much. Stay with us. We have more with the ranking member of the House Budget Committee. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey there, good morning. Welcome back to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield and glad you're with us. We are back here again with Congressman Jason Smith, a Republican from the great state of Missouri, and he's also the ranking member of the House Budget Committee. Good morning, Congressman. Good morning, Carrie. So, great to be with you. Good to have you. So let's talk about a moment here of one of your colleagues. It appears that she's doing something a little bit hypocritical. Um, Congresswoman, she's a Democrat, Sydney Axney from Iowa. She says, I'm already working with my colleagues across the aisle on common sense measures that will provide relief to small businesses and to put money in Iowans' pockets as we continue to fight through the COVID-19 pandemic and get our economy back on track. You replied on Twitter and you said, that's odd. This is the last message my staff got from you. Are you no longer kicking Republicans off your bills? And this is an email you can see our viewers. This is an email from January 11, 2021, about a co-lead on a bill on kidney insurance, which presumably is a bipartisan issue. And the staffer said, hey, I hope you're okay and managing. Our office is declining to work with your office at this time, given your boss's position on the election. Now, Congressman, you did vote to object to some of the certifications uh, for the election for President Biden. But many Democrats did the same thing in elections, uh, the results that were presented in 2017, in 2005, and 2001. And you did the same thing here, but as a Republican. And now you see this Democrat who appears to be in some ways blacklisting you. Is that what you would describe what she's doing? No, she's definitely blacklisting me. It's unfortunate. There's too many folks in Washington that they move their, their lips a lot. They're all hat and no cattle is what we say in Missouri. And I'll tell you, it's disappointing that another member of Congress would refuse to work with another member of Congress just because they don't like how they voted on a different, unrelated piece of legislation or bill or action. Um, we're all about serving our constituents, serving the American people. And if you truly want to work bipartisan, you need to work bipartisan. And the piece of legislation that we were trying to work together on truly bipartisan. It was about kidneys and, and kidney patients and kidney care, uh, completely unrelated why she decided to blacklist us. So, you know, if you're, if you're gonna blacklist me, do not go home and tell people that you're working bipartisan with other legislators. I mean, I'm just south of you in Missouri. She's up north in Iowa, and clearly she doesn't wanna work with another Republican who disagrees with her. 
And have you seen blacklisting of any other kind? I mean, we've seen this over and over in, in Hollywood. Uh, you know, we just had someone, a Star Wars star, who was just, you know, stripped of her of her show and her contract agent. And just uh, we see it with book publishers who are refusing to publish the book from Josh Hawley. Um, you name it. Are you seeing other things like this for you personally? You're definitely seeing it with other members of Congress that are being blacklisted where Democrat members won't work with uh, members because they may not have liked their votes. Uh, so you're seeing it from that mentality, but you're also seeing it that um, a lot of big corporations are refusing to support um, elected officials because they don't like how they voted. It, it's just it, it, it's interesting. They can do whatever they want, but whether it's big tech censoring conservatives on Twitter or Facebook, social media, um, clearly it's happening a lot out there, whether it's my senator's uh, book deal, um, regardless. But I would say after they blacklisted Senator Hawley, he's probably going to have a bestseller when that book comes out. Well, funny you mentioned that. We actually spoke with his publisher, and that's exactly what he said. He said, Simon & Schuster, they actually did the best marketing job for us, way better than we would have afforded or done ourselves, most likely. Um, but it's, so if, you're, if you uh, see any others, you personally, uh, just let us know. We're always curious to know and want to report about these issues. But I want to move to another topic, and that is the issue of opening schools. So... Uh, the, the White House spokeswoman, uh, Jen Psaki, she was pressed about this issue of lowering the bar for Biden reopening classrooms. Uh, his goal that he is set to have the majority of schools, so more than 50 percent, open by day 100 of his presidency. And that means some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more, Psaki said on Tuesday. And it seems that they keep lowering the bar. The Democrats keep saying, oh, we want to be very ambitious in the first 100 days. And now the goalpost keeps moving moving to have fewer openings and fewer reopenings. And you tweeted about this uh, in terms of the repercussions of what it does for children. Uh, a tragic story here uh, that you set out about, uh, you said tragic stories like this will only continue to happen unless we follow the science. POTUS reopen the schools and end the economic lockdowns. This is about a Texas boy who reportedly, he was 12 years old, and he reportedly hung himself after a battle with depression during COVID-19. The Texas boy felt, quote, sad and lonely amid the coronavirus lockdown measures, and he hanged himself. This is what his father said. Um, really tragic story here about this little boy. And you spoke out about this. What are you hearing from your constituents about how the shutdown and the schools as they remain closed, how is it affecting them and their families? You know, Carrie, it's so sad. Um, you're seeing all over the country that that because of these um, school shutdowns where where kids are not getting educated in person, that for example, Clark County, um, Clark, Clark County in Nevada, just in the first nine months of last year, they had double the suicides amongst children. Um, and this is a problem you're seeing all over the country. It's very sad. Parents want their kids to go to in-person education. Kids want to go there. They're really missing out on some important aspects of their early years. And, and, and we can open safely. The science says, the CDC has said to open up safely. The private schools are doing it. Why can't the public schools do it? And, and the president needs to follow through with what he committed to. Open up the schools, send the kids back to in-person learning.
And what are you seeing in your district? Are, are the schools reopening there? What are you hearing from the parents? The majority of our schools are definitely um, in person, but not fully in person. They need to they need to be there five days a week. Exactly is what I'm hearing from the people of Southeast Missouri. They want to return back to normal. And you know what? Our governor has done a great job and not lost down the states people's been able to operate use safety precautions to to be able to carry out their employment their businesses and also you know educating their kids that's what people want and have you seen because we know in some areas the teachers unions have really been an obstacle to reopening what's it been like for your district you know our district the teachers aren't involved into the aggressive unions that you see like in chicago and some of the the big cities um those are teachers in Southeast Missouri want to be in person. They want to educate the kids. They're not pushing back. So um, it's great to live in the show me state. You know that being from there. <laughs> right. Well, and uh, on, on the union front, uh, Steve Scalise, the Republican whip, told our founder, John Solomon, that we need to have a, a children's union, a kids union to combat the teachers union, it appears. But it sounds like in your district, uh, that's not so much worrisome. You know what? It is worrisome until all the all the kids are in school five days a week. Um, so it's kind of a hybrid. But I'll tell you, the teachers want to be there. The kids want to be there. So let's just open them up. All right, Congressman. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Gary, thank you. Have a great morning. Thank you, you too. That is Congressman Jason Smith, Republican from Missouri, and he is the ranking member of the House Budget Committee. We'll see if he's successful in his push to stop Neera Tandon from getting head there of the OMB for President Biden. We will keep you posted on that. That does it. We will be right back after this quick break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey there, good morning, and welcome back to Just the News AM. Well, if you have any questions about Bitcoin or currency that's happening, all these breakthrough currencies, the woman to follow is Naomi Brockwell. She's the creator and a tech journalist at NBTV, and she knows everything about anything when it comes to cryptocurrency. Hey there, Naomi. Hi, Carrie. Thanks so much for having me on today. So a lot of topics that are trending right now in the news, I want to talk about one that you tweeted out, and this has to do with Elon Musk. So Elon Musk just noted that Tesla has announced their purchase of $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, and the Bitcoin price exploded past 46000 Some cheered it as a noble move to reclaim financial sovereignty. Others said it was reckless for shareholders. Who is next? Well, let me ask you, Naomi, did you cheer this or did you think it was reckless? <laughs> 
You know what? I have a bit of a nuanced perspective on this. So I did cheer it because anyone who decides to throw off the shackles of the traditional financial system and reclaim financial sovereignty, I'm definitely going to cheer that move. So it's great that he's opting for crypto instead of you know US dollars. But on the other side of things, is it a smart move for his shareholders? Because if you think about what he what responsibility he has to his shareholders, he really needs to keep things as steady as possible. And crypto is not renowned for being steady. It's incredibly volatile. Um, furthermore, you know, this leads to, to the price of Tesla stocks being intrinsically tied to the price of Bitcoin now. Is that really something that you want to give your shareholders exposure to? If they wanted to purchase Bitcoin, they would just go straight to Bitcoin. So, you know, it is a it is a difficult topic. It's, it's kind of complex. I personally think that, I mean, if you look at what this means, it basically means that Elon is saying that Bitcoin is a better store of value than the US dollar. And I, a lot of people are saying that right now. If you look at the trillions of dollars that the government is printing, uh, this all leads to inflation, right? This is just a tax, a silent tax that is coming straight out of our, our bank accounts. So um, if he's suggesting that down the line, we're going to see a lot more inflation and Bitcoin is going to be a better store of value. A lot of people tend to agree with that. And I tend to agree with that. I mean, we'll have to see what happens, obviously. But uh, the US economy, I mean, it's not looking too good right now in terms of the amount of stimulus that they're pump pumping out. And, uh, and I don't like the chances of them being able to ever repay the debt that is continually mounting. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But Bitcoin is definitely great because it provides an, an option, an alternative for people who don't want to be tied to what they think is a sinking ship right now. Well, to your question, who's next? Do you think we'll see another large company like this go and get a big chunk of this type of cryptocurrency? Well, 24 hours later, you have Twitter saying that they're considering adding, adding this to their uh, balance sheet. So I do think that this has been a catalyst. We are going to see more companies go into this. Uh, MicroStrategy really started this when they said we're putting $250 uh, million into this. And then they kept increasing it and increasing it. And uh, Michael Saylor has since become this spokesperson for Bitcoin. And everyone's been following suit. So Elon's jumped on board. Um, also, big news, you had BNY Mellon announced that they're going to be custodying assets uh, for customers. So there, there are just lots of people getting involved with cryptocurrency right now. It is really this hot thing that people in the on the fringes have been talking about for the last decade. But other people are saying, oh, actually, maybe the economy, maybe the US dollar isn't a sure thing. Maybe we should be hedging. So it is interesting seeing that turning point. I think we're at a real inflection point right now. So do you think this was a vote against the Biden administration? I don't think it's against the Biden administration, uh, but more against the government controlling our money in general. You know, I think that people are starting to wake up to the problems that occur when you have state and money intertwined. And a lot of people are calling for those things to be separated. Because if you have the government say, listen, we want all these programs, we're just going to print money out of thin air, that's going to devalue all the money in your savings. People are starting to wake up to the problems with that. And so um, I don't think it's against any particular administration, because this all started to occur at, during Trump's uh, tenure as well. So I mean, 
the Federal Reserve, it really, <laughs> it just keeps printing money no matter what administration it is. We didn't see a cut in, in spending during the Trump administration. Um, we're not going to see a cut in spending with the Biden administration, that's for sure. So with all of this, you're, how are we going to finance all of the things that Biden has promised? It? We're going to need to print a huge amount of money. And uh, people are just not confident that this is going to be good for the economy, that um, you know we're not going to see the US dollar tank in value as a result of this. So it makes sense people are looking to other options and wanting to hedge their bets right now. All right, let's talk about this currency. There are lots of options for cryptocurrency. And Coindesk, where you host one of their shows, they have, if you go to coindesk.com on their website, uh, or maybe it's coindesk.tv, and Coindesk TV has all these listings. We'll put it up on screen. You can see there's Bitcoin, there's Erythrum, XRP, Stellar, Chainlink, Litecoin. You go down the list, but the only one here that's in the red that we noticed, everything else is in the green, that means all the prices are going up. And the only one that's in the red, first of all, how do you pronounce this? There's some debate. Is it Dogecoin? <laughs> is it Dogecoin? Is it Dogatoin? What is this one there in the lower left corner for our viewers? D-O-G-E-C-O-I-N. And why is it the only Most one in the red here? So most people will pronounce it Dogecoin. There is a contingent that pronounces it Doggy Coin because it's originally based on the meme that was like a misspelling of the word dog. Um, so that is probably the only one in the red because crypto is just on a tear right now with so many people getting involved. And Dogecoin, it started out as a joke coin. And then you had people like Elon Musk start to pump it and say, I'm the CEO of Doge and adding it to his Twitter bio. And he stated, you know, I hope people realize that I'm joking about this because Dogecoin, I mean, it's it's an infinite supply. It's not like Bitcoin that has a finite supply. And so it really adheres to the laws of supply and demand that you're seeing the value go up because there's limited supply. and So many people want to get involved. But Dogecoin, you know, the sky is the limit. And, uh, and so you've had a lot of people pumping it. Half the people, I think, were doing it as a joke. The other part, half were like, oh, interesting. This is a new coin. I'll get involved. And my heart breaks for those people because anyone who's been in crypto for a while isn't taking that uh, <laughs> that skyrocketing seriously. Um, I think that because this week it was just pumped so high, it's definitely having a pullback now, which is to be expected. Uh, but really, I mean, it's exciting for crypto at the moment. We're definitely in, uh, in a bull run right now, which is a, a refreshing change considering that the last few years is, uh, has, has not been that great for crypto. Uh, we had a big pullback when we almost reached 20K at the height of uh, at the in 2017, when we had all the ICO bubble and all of that, and then came crashing down. But now, I mean, we're just seeing things skyrocket. I think that it's it's 47 right now. I've got a ticker in the background there, keeps me updated. So 47,000. It's uh, I mean, it's it's really exciting to see people uh, get involved with this and and want to buy in, and which is why we're seeing this prices skyrocket. If I could turn back time to quote share, uh, I would do things differently with my stocks. Um, so real quick, you put out a tweet. You said a bunch of people have messaged me about a scammer on Twitter pretending to be me and DMing them. Be careful out there, everyone. If you ever want to verify my actual handles, they're listed here. Why is it that crypto attracts scammers? Just real quick. 
because this is, you know, there's money to be made. People are seeing the prices skyrocketing. They want to get involved and they, they know people don't understand it, right? So they think that they're easy pickings. If they can pretend to be me and reach out to my followers and say, oh, I have a great investment opportunity, they can probably get some low-hanging fruit. So just be super careful. I use Cointree, uh, Cointree.app as a site where I post my legitimate social media accounts. So if people want to know which one's actually me, that's a good place to verify. Perfect. All right. Namely Brockwell, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Good morning and welcome back here to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield and glad you're with us. Well, Josh Hammer is the new opinion editor for Newsweek and he's a columnist at the Creators Syndicate. He's also a research fellow at the Edmund Burke Foundation and he joins me this morning. We're going to go through a few headlines. Good morning, Josh. Great to be with you, Carrie. So let's talk about your headline here that you have at Newsweek. You say, the overwrought Nazi analogies for me, but not for thee. Carano's tale in isolation would be bemusing, but hardly newsworthy. What makes this story affirmatively galling, you say, is how it, yes, it yet again evinces an ever-widening chasm between ruling class elites and the dissident deplorables over whom they deign to rule. So you were talking about the issue here with Star Wars, the star of the Star Wars who just got canceled. Um, her name is Gina Carano, and she made an analogy. She said some Trump supporters are being treated the way that Jews were treated in Germany, uh, where people were dehumanizing the Jews, and that opened the door to then having people treat them as less than human. And so you're saying there's a double standard here. Why? So thanks for having me on, Carrie. So look, when it comes to the Gina Carano situation, first of all, uh, you know, let's get it out there. Obviously not a great tweet. You know, I, speaking personally, I'm a, I'm a proud Jew. I'm an unyielding Zionist. I've been to any number of Holocaust museums in my life. And as a general rule of thumb, I, I would generally prefer that there be fewer rather than greater Nazi analogies made in the public square, unless it is truly actually apt, you know, as, my, as might be the case with the Uyghurs in uh, Xinjiang province in China, for example. But overall here, when you look at what actually what she said, and she had deleted the social media post, okay? Yes, it was overawed. Yes, it was a little hysterical. But if you compare that to what the left has done for the last four years, where the, you literally couldn't even count the examples. They were happening on a day-in, day-out basis across CNN, MSNBC, all the other kind of bastions of mainstream media and mainstream cultural and institutional clout. They were saying all the time that Donald, Donald Trump was Hitler, the Republican Party were Nazis. They were doing this. Do you remember, Carrie? I mean, I remember like on D-Day every year, it seemed like woke reporters would tweet out images of um, uh, the, the amazingly courageous American patriots who hopped off those boats to storm the beaches of Normandy in June 1944 in D-Day. And then we're comparing them to Antifa with the, with the implicit comparison, meaning obviously that Trump was therefore Hitler in the Third Reich. So the left has been doing this for years. Let's not forget that Joe Biden, just two days after the Capitol riot, by the way, on January 8th, had this revolting press conference where he compared Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley to Goebbels and by spreading the quote-unquote big lie, a disgusting thing to say. So 
yes, there is dripping condescension here. There is gross hypocrisy. I, for one, would like to have it both ways. I would prefer we have overall fewer Nazi analogies, but if we're going to have them, let's at least be consistent about it. Sure. I mean, it, it certainly seems the cancel culture is not consistent here for sure. Um, let's talk about another one of your pieces over at Newsweek. You write about the limits of free speech. And you talk about Ryan Anderson. We had him on this program last week. He wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal making the argument that religious liberty isn't enough. And he said, because you have to convince a secular audience. And so you're saying that the argument of free speech might not be enough either, because it seems that elites are not really caring about free speech anymore, that you're saying that uh, you can't just say free speech. You actually have to look at the underlying claims about truth or justice, about the arguments themselves, because it seems that liberals don't care about free speech anymore. So when you're saying that people should be looking at the claims, um, if you can't even get past the free speech argument, how are they going to do your second point? Right, exactly. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy you you put in the excerpt there with Ryan Anderson, who's been a friend for years and has been kind of sounding this alarm for a long time in the context of religious liberty. As a former religious liberty litigator myself, I obviously say that uh, half tongue in cheek, half seriously. But the overall theme that's going on here and the, and the broader theme that I think connects what Ryan has been writing about in religious liberty and what I'm writing about in this column in free speech the overarching theme that kind of connects it to is something that's been happening kind of in the shadows of the conservative movement for the past few years, I think, which is a lot of people are starting to kind of reassess what exactly it is that we stand for. And there is kind of a strand of the American right, a, a slightly perhaps more libertarian-leaning strand of the American right that leans very heavily on the Enlightenment and John Locke and thinkers like that, who basically say that true pluralism, that live and let live, that um, uh, the various freedoms enshrined in the Bill of Rights kind of is the be-all, end-all of what it means to, uh, to, to effectuate a just government among men and to self-rule ourselves. And then there are some of us who say that, no, there has to be something a little more than that, that these are extremely important tools, but the ultimate goal of politics is to do good. Aristotle would call this human flourishing, to pursue justice, to actually pursue the good of the whole of the nation, of the common good and of individual religious flourishing, et cetera. So that's kind of what I'm getting at in this column here. I'm basically saying that by basically shouting that everything is free speech, including, by the way, the focus of that column in particular was Marjorie Taylor Greene who, by the way, I do, I do not agree that she should have been stripped of her committee assignments. That's a very dangerous precedent as a matter of sheer prudence and pragmatism. But as a matter of principle, I think it's erroneous and wrongheaded to say that this is all about, quote unquote, free speech. Well, let me ask you this be... real quick. Do you think that people who are classically liberal or just people who believe in freedom of speech were victims of their own openness because they allowed on college campuses, for example, people who wanted to suppress them, people who didn't agree with them about free speech, and now they're running the show. No doubt about it. And the left takes no prisoners, obviously, in terms of their ideological hegemony. They are seeking to suppress all dissenting opinions. And their incredible striving, their remarkable inclination to kind of kick us out of the public square has forced conservatives to, I think, oftentimes very legitimately plead free speech. I guess my point is that when Republicans call Marjorie Taylor Greene free speech, we actually undermine our claims to more legitimate, morally legitimate free speech claims. I see. All right. Well, Josh Heimer, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much. He's the new opinion editor over there at Newsweek. I was surprised to see Newsweek because it was more left. I used to be an intern over there, so it's, it's an interesting turn. All right. We'll be right back with Liz Wheeler. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning and welcome back to Just the News AM. I am Carrie Sheffield and glad you're with us on this Friday morning. Joining me on the phone is Liz Wheeler. She's a conservative commentator and best-selling author of the book Tipping Points, How to Topple the Left's House of Cards. And Liz has strong feelings about something that was reported recently. Washington Examiner looked at this. Nurses were advising to swap the words such as breast milk for the more, quote, inclusive word of words of human milk. As midwives and birth workers, we focus on improving access and health outcomes for marginalized and disadvantaged groups. Women are frequently disadvantaged in healthcare, as are trans and non-binary people, they said. By continuing to use the term woman, we commit to working on addressing health inequities for all who use our services. Well, in response to this, Liz tweeted out, she said, it's funny, my brand new baby girl tried to latch onto my husband, but no chest milk came out. How does leftist science explain that? And Liz, uh, we have a picture of her with her gorgeous little baby girl, um, and she joins me this morning. Hey, Liz. Carrie, thank you so much for having me. So this uh, headline just raised a lot of eyebrows. What do you think is happening here? Well, first of all, it, this isn't a private institution that's implementing this um, new language guidelines. This is a hospital in the UK that's run by NHS, which is the government-run healthcare service in the UK. And they're telling midwives not to use the word woman, not to use the word breast, not to use the word breast milk, but to substitute human milk or chest milk, which seems particularly disgusting, um, that bit of phraseology there. And it's I mean, this is more than just ridiculous. This is more than just politically correct, Carrie. This is what communists do. This is, and I'm not trying to sound hyperbolic here, but this is what communists do. They try to erase womanhood. They try to demean motherhood. They try to obliterate the nuclear family. And it's, I mean, giving birth, I just gave birth three weeks ago to my brand new baby girl. Congratulations. And let me just tell you, this is the most empowering thing I have ever done in my life and I've done some cool things and to try to take that away to try to take away the idea that this is something that's specific to me as a woman to actually erase that word as it is as it's associated with birth should I mean it it's laughable but it should also stick on us all we can't let them get away with this nonsense has there been any pushback given this is taxpayer money that's been used I mean there's certainly cultural pushback. I would hope that every person who reads this story doesn't just laugh about it, but says, wait a second, wait a second. You can be inclusive of people whose lifestyles are different. You can be tolerant of transgender people. You can be compassionate and loving without, without taking away womanhood from biological women. That's the problem with the left is they don't actually want inclusion. They don't actually want tolerance. They want this sort of forced compliance that ends up harming biological women. We see this in the United States with 
um, with sporting events where transgender women, and I put that in quotation marks, that means biological males, people who were born male, who identify as women, are now being allowed to compete in women's athletic events. And this is obviously unfair. I mean, there was actually a study done that showed that even after hormone therapy, biological males, even though they identify as women, even if they're taking estrogen and all of that, still have a competitive advantage against biological women. Well, my answer to that is, duh, and who on earth is stupid enough to pay for that study? But the thing about the left agenda is they're not just trying to include these transgender individuals. They're not just asking for tolerance or compassion. They're actually erasing biological women. They're taking away everything that it means for us to be women in their effort to so-called be tolerant. And we should not stand for that because that's a threat. That's a threat to women all over the world. Well, it's interesting you mentioned this, Liz, that uh, speaking about this with my producer, Dan, men actually have breasts. You can actually get breast cancer if you're a man. So I'm not sure anatomically that this is correct, what they're trying to say. Let's move to another topic that you also comment on, and that is about what happened in New York. So a Cuomo aide to New York, Governor uh, Cuomo, said that the state withheld nursing home COVID death data fearing the federal prosecutors. They said because then we were in a position, we weren't sure if what you guys were going to give to the Department of Justice or what we give to you guys, what we start saying was going to be used against us while we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation. So you're hearing in New York there was a lack of transparency because they were afraid that the federal government would investigate and maybe try to get some accountability. You said, Liz Willer, you said Andrew Cuomo is the most corrupt governor in the county with the blood of thousands of nursing home residents on his hands. And now his aide admits they lied about the number of COVID deaths because of politics. Despicable. Cuomo must resign. He's been getting awards for his broadcast and he's been getting pats on the back from some Democratic leaders. Do you think, though, this is finally the tipping point that Governor Cuomo might have to resign? Well, Governor Cuomo, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Let's be very clear. Andrew Cuomo must resign. When I say corrupt, I don't just mean corrupt. This is evil. This is a man who forced nursing homes to accept COVID-positive patients. The nursing, home, the nursing homes had no choice. This led to the death of thousands and thousands of elderly people, our grandparents, our parents. This is, this is beyond, I mean, it's mind-boggling that anyone would be so stupid and so evil as to have done this. And then we knew, Carrie, that he lied. This is just the proof that he lied, the proof that he lied. And the only reason that this is being talked about. This story, by the way, has been known in conservative circles for weeks, if not months. The only reason that this is making headlines is because just now, months and months and months later, almost a year later, the liberal media is finally picking it up. A year later, probably 10,000 elderly people in New York have been died in the interim. The liberal media just now is taking interest. It's, it's appalling. Well, Liz Willer, we appreciate you raising this issue, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Carrie. And congrats on the baby girl. All right, that does it. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
morning and welcome back to Just the News AM. I'm Carrie Sheffield and glad that you're with us. We love getting our viewer feedback. I put a question up every day and you always respond at Carrie Sheffield. My question is, is there a GOP civil war happening? Adam Kinzinger, a Republican from Illinois, wants to make a new pack to attack primary fellow. He wants to do a primary attack on his fellow Republicans, people like Matt Gates. he said. Or will the party unite? Well, Wilson McGillicuddy says, how is Adam Kinzinger, who represents 5 to 10 percent of the GOP base, leading a civil war? LOL, Kinzinger is toast in his own state. He already has a primary opponent and is being censored by every, P every GOP organization in his district. Steve Franco says, been a Republican all my life, done with those in D.C., done with their talk and never any action. New party, old party doesn't matter, just get the losers out. Gary, MA Professional Counseling, Gary C. George says, need to primary the swamp rhinos. This, this is still MAGA, and if they can't handle that, they can retire. And hit me up on Twitter, at Carrie Sheffield. I also want to say happy birthday to today, Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents in U.S. history. This is his famous quote from his second inaugural address. With malice toward none, with charity for all the firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. With charity toward all and with malice toward none, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.